Welcome to episode 298 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider supporting it. You can do that by making a donation, either one time or continuing in the tip jar. I've put a link to that in the show notes, which you can see on the website or on your podcast app. Or you can buy some merch at the online store, shop.stageworthyproductions.com. In the store, you'll find Stageworthy t-shirts, mugs, stickers, as well as merch from some of my other projects, including the much-coveted God Chose Me to Deliver His New Commandment and All I Got Was a Stupid T-Shirt t-shirt from my solo play, The Commandment. All your purchases and tip jar donations go towards Stageworthy and help me continue to bring you great conversations in Canadian theatre. And if you can't donate or buy from the store, please consider rating and reviewing the show. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review right in the podcast app. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, you can still review the show by going to podchaser.com, searching for Stageworthy, and rating the podcast there. Thanks for listening, and thank you for your support. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 298 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is performer, actor, and vocalist Ucheyama. So how has uh, how have you been uh, with? I mean, I feel like that's a, every time I ask people that the the question "How have you been?" There's this long pause before they answer. Yeah, and yeah. I, I feel like especially right now, as we in Ontario are on the cusp of beginning to open up. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually been well. I have had opportunities to thrive throughout mm. this time period because I am a homebody by nature. So it's been nice not feeling that obligation to to be out and about and just mm. being able to spend time with my family and mm. focus on things that I want to focus on. Um, but yeah, but it's also had its hard moments for sure. Like I oh, miss sure. my, I miss my friends a lot. <laughs> you know, as a, as somebody who's pretty much a homebody, I'm an introvert by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, for a lot of, for a lot of the time with this whole like stay at home thing, I spend a lot of time being like, I'm okay. Yeah. I could do this just fine. And then every <laughs> so often I'm like, I need to have a party and have my friends over. Right. Right. <laughs> like, honestly, Full disclosure, a friend of mine that I've been seeing frequently because we tend to work together Mm -hmm. um, gave me a hug the other day and like he's fully vaccinated and stuff. Mm. But like it was just so it was so nice. And yeah, you may have like people in your house that you hug and everything, but it's different, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. 
it's like it's been so weird. The few times that I've gone on like socially distanced walks with socially distanced walks with friends, mm-hmm. you see them and your instinct is to hug your friend because you haven't seen them in so yeah, long. Yeah, but you, then you have to be like, elbows, elbows. Yeah, the elbow, <laughs> the elbow touch, the elbow touch. I, for a while there, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I work in the events industry and we were still going on to stuff or like the planning to last March. And uh-huh. the, our, our, our CEO was like, okay, so no handshakes. It'll be weird. Do the elbow or do the foot touch? And I was like, I'm a fan of the foot touch. Nobody's, like you, nobody's you used touch, their touch foot. You just touch big toes. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> just tap feet together. And that felt like a, a, <laughs> the safest possible greeting. I love that. I actually think I did that one time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so interesting how we find our ways to still have human connection, you know? Well, that's the thing is because we are, we are driven to that. Mm -hmm. We are driven to human connection. No matter how introverted we may be, we still need the people around us. Yeah. And we need to connect with them. Yeah. Um, And I think this has been a big realization to a lot of people to how much they need a support system, how much they need folks around them, you know? Yeah. Not just around them, but like, you know, to be able to connect with, with people. Yeah, present. You know, just, yeah. <laughs> and, and one thing that we've learned for sure is that um, a, a video is no replacement for in-person connection. Oh, my goodness. It, it isn't. It isn't. And through this process, I've had some um, rehearsal moments on Zoom that have been so beautiful and touching and fulfilling, but I'm always wanting to punch my computer because I'm like, I, I should be in the room with all of you. Like this, yeah. this, this could be amplified and so much more and be even more impactful if I like got to touch your skin or. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like, I mean, hands down, I, have been so proud and impressed with every theater artist who has done something online. <laughs> Absolutely impressed because I know that over a year and a half ago, if you'd asked them if they could do something online, they would have told you, no, I'm not technical enough to do that. Yeah. Or even just and, the the need to audition, you know? Like- yeah. You yeah. got to be a videographer. You got to be a sound technician now. You got to be able to edit your own videos. It's yeah. It's been such a learning curve for sure. And that's the thing that impresses me is that ev- pretty much everybody has successfully transitioned somehow. Now, of course, nobody wants it to be permanent and we all want to be back in the theater. But it's kind of been like amazing to see. And I will be interested to see if how we can keep the things that we've learned and bring them into the theater. Yes, because this is a conversation 100% about accessibility. Mm -hmm. Because, oh my goodness, the things that I have actually been able to watch. Right. Just because now they have to be online. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. It, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. You get so many more opportunities because, yeah. and, and now it's just because everyone is home. But what about folks that can't leave their houses ever mm-hmm. on a daily basis, have an allergy to the sun, yeah. like have a disability and can't make it to the theater? Like this has opened so many doors and so many conversations about like accessibility specifically. And um, I'm hoping that the conversations continue. 
I I really hope so. I I have I I have this this vision of the theater where you can go for an in-person ticket, but they, you know, we've, we've rigged it up with like at least three cameras so that you can have a digital ticket, see it live. Mm -hmm. And we've not only opened it up for people who, um, you know, for whatever ableist reason can't get to the theater. Of course. Um, but also for people who financially can't afford that Mervish yes. ticket at, at however much it costs. Um, and also to open it up more for, for people who, you know, live in Edmonton and they're interested in seeing what's going on in Toronto, in Toronto or in Toronto yeah. and want to see what's going on in Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's astounding. And yeah. I really hope it continues. I really hope so too. I I do feel like the cynic in me feels like that the equity theaters are going to open up and not do it, but it'll it, the indie theaters have the yeah. opportunity to do it and to push for mm -hmm. that to become the norm. 100%. Uh, a mentor of mine is a part of the Sarah Solo uh, Theater Festival out mm -hmm. in Florida. And this year it was online and I got to see people that I haven't seen in so long. Right do productions and mm. and put their work on stage that's another thing that's been amazing too because i don't know what have have been the holdups in terms of well you can't do those big shows online mm -hmm. so playwrights who've never been heard of have been getting yeah. opportunities to mm -hmm. put on their work to see their work come to life no matter how it really is coming to life but like hearing your words in someone else's mouth mm. with the characterization work that they've done, like that is just been an amazing opportunity for so many young playwrights, upcoming playwrights, black playwrights, mm. indigenous playwrights that mm. never got the opportunity to do that before. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's another thing that I have to say that I really hope that we continue to see is the voices that we're amplifying now yes. when the theaters reopen, that we're still amplifying those and that it's not just a bunch of like, well, the theaters reopen. Let's do another production of Grease. Oh my, <laughs> <laughs> my chest literally just contracted because that's, <laughs> it's such a deep fear for me because mm. I personally have uh, moved away from a lot of musical theater because mm. I felt that I, I didn't have the opportunity to see myself in, any of the things that were on stage I couldn't mm. do it and for me as an artist as an actor as uh something someone that has performing as it's a true passion for me mm. I I want to be able to relate to even one piece of the character that I'm mm. playing and I found that wasn't happening in musical theater at yeah. all so I started doing more straight up acting and mm. I found that even more but I'm hoping that this gives um, playwrights new playwrights opportunities to create new musicals with more content that's not typical American musical theater yeah. vibes, you know? <laughs> I do. I do. I, I I, mean, I think I honestly, we need more musicals. We need to stop doing the same old ones all the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we need to, we need to foster that with some great musicals that have come out of Canada and we need to keep that, that going. In another way, the, one of the things, and, and tell me if you think that I'm, I, I'm, I'm wrong is I, I do feel like, like musical theater has, and a theater in general sort of gets tied to the whole, like, well, you know, we have to have a certain type of person on the stage. We can't mm -hmm. have, you know, 
oh, we can't we can't have this white couple, this white person and this black person be a couple. Mm-hmm. We can't have them play brother and sister. But I think that's so short sighted in looking at the way that you look at your audience because audiences will believe whatever you tell them to believe. One hundred percent, like they really will. In that moment, you've yeah. created an environment, you've created a world for the people who've been let into that world mm-hmm. as audience members. So whatever you put on that stage, they're going to believe. I mean, to an extent, I mean, I wouldn't want to go to cabaret and see people like a bunch of black people because I feel like that would be weird, you know, like in terms of the time period. Yes. It would not have been, it would not have been appropriate. Uh, people would have been injured. People would have been hurt. People yeah. would have been abused. Like in that regard, no. But like, in in any situation where color is not a part of the storyline, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, you know, there's so many musicals that I could look at and be like, so what's the reason why Seymour Krellborn has to be a white guy? Exactly. But it's always cast that way. Yes, it is. We need to, I think we really need to break those rules. Like those yeah. are those are those quote unquote rules. Like Yeah. We have to stop thinking that our audience is 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 just not going to buy it if we don't put that person on. Like we don't put a white white guy in that role because, like you said, and like I said, they will believe whatever you put up there. They will suspend yeah. disbelief and just go with it. And that's the beauty of theater. So why not take the reins and really push the boundaries? Mm-hmm. That's what makes it exciting that's yeah. like i don't want to go to see a show where i leave and i'm like oh that was that was great i want to <laughs> i want to go see a piece of theater that is thought provoking i want to see something that makes me ask questions i want to see something that makes me go home and google shit <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> you know what funny that the whole like what audiences i worked as an usher at one of the larger theaters it's run when i learned really quickly as did i <laughs> uh, probably probably you know uh, exchange some notes what i learned <laughs> was like and i was i was occasionally on the door and i learned a lot about what audiences say when they didn't like a play and they don't want to admit that they didn't like the play because they paid a lot of money for the ticket. Yeah. (laughs) And what they always say is they did such a good job. Such a good job. The lighting was beautiful. (laughs) It's just, it's just like, I always heard like, you know, it'd see some shows that were not awesome. And, And that's what people would say. Like, and every one of them would do it. They did such a good job. Or maybe you you meant nothing. You yeah, you really did not connect with that show you, at all. Maybe, maybe you're saying that because you're still in the building. Maybe it's a different conversation when they leave the building. You never maybe know. Maybe it is. But I really feel like I really feel like people when they've paid like eighty dollars, a hundred dollars, or more yeah. for their ticket, yeah. and they don't like the show, yeah. they don't want to admit that, that they, they didn't, didn't like, the, like show. the show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can I can get that if you're mm. paying an exorbitant amount of money to for an experience that you don't even enjoy. <laughs> I mean, I'm the kind of person that would just be honest about it, but I know some people that would just be embarrassed that it was like, oh, this was a frivolous expense. Why did I? Oh, do sure, that? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, I I would. I mean, I I I get really pained in the theater when it's not good. So I, you know. I will not only try to examine like, 
you know, why is this not working for me? But I would be vocal about why it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But that's a vocabulary that a lot of people who are going to those big shows, especially just don't have. Yeah, because they're going for pure entertainment. They're Mm -hmm. not going to analyze, to deconstruct, to observe and, and get clues and keys. But that's how I approach theater. When I go see something, like I'm analyzing. Yeah. I, at the same time, I want to be moved. I want to be taken on a journey, but I'm, I'm an actor and I'm watching I'm watching to see what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, Uche, one of the questions that I am often asking people who come on the show, and it's, it's one of my favorite questions is to learn about your theater origin story. Mm-hmm. What, what drew you to the theater first? How did you decide that that was going to be your life's pursuit? Give me, give me your origin story. It's so funny. I was like a math and science nerd for majority of my life. I uh, loved chemistry and algebra. And um, towards the end of grade, grades, Eight, I think, yeah, grade eight. Um, everyone's gearing up to start going to high school. And I was like, yes, I want to go to Ursula Franklin Academy and I want to major in robotics. And my whole life, ha- arts and music has been a through line throughout mm-hmm. it. But it was there so much that I didn't really think about it, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I didn't end up getting into Ursula Franklin and my mom looked at me and was like, okay, well, like you got to go to school. So (laughs) what are you going to (laughs) do? And, um, I saw Etobicoke school of the arts and I was like, okay, like I could go to an art school. Let's, let's see what the offerings are there. And I was thinking about being a band major. I was thinking about being a drama major. And then I was like, oh, musical theater. I love musical theater. Sound of Music is every every single Christmas, me and my mom, every year. <laughs> Without fail, Sound of Music, for sure. And I start recalling, oh, my goodness, I love to sing. I love musicals. Okay, let's, let's try this musical theater thing. Hmm. And um, I trained for a few months and then I auditioned and I got in and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to an art school. And then I remember grade nine sitting in my first like musical theater class, Mm. musical theater focused class. And I sat there and I watched my peers get up and sing and emote and then I was like, I can, I can do this for a living. Like, <laughs> I can do this. I can get paid to, to feel like this all the time. And I, it, it was after that, I was, I was gone. Hmm. I was in it and I forgot about math. I forgot about science. <laughs> and all I cared about was theater. All I cared about was theater and dance and music and things that gave me that feeling in the mm. pit of my stomach and the nape of my neck. Like that's all I wanted. So now, now was, had you been in plays before or were you just like, it sounds like fun. I'm going to do it. 
I I was in dance class. <laughs> I took some dance classes. I did some uh, performances with my dance school. Mm. I had never really done a lot of theater, mm. but like, yeah, I don't know. It was it was crazy the way it just blossomed. Yeah, I I never expected it to at all. Going into high school, I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to go to high school and like do a thing. But I didn't think I was going to fall in love. I didn't. <laughs> Did, now, was was Sound of Music your your gateway into musical theater, or was there were there other other musicals as well? There were other musicals, a lot of them unknown. I listened to a lot of like uh, African storytelling things mm. that my parents passed on to me and uh, tapes of little kids acting and acting out stories of, <laughs> of our ancestry. And, and ev- in all of them, there's drums, there's music, mm. there's dancing. Like, but I did, like I said, I didn't, I didn't realize it. Mm. It I didn't realize that that was something that was such a big part of me, that performance. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And then um, Sound of Music was was the musical I always sang along to. <laughs> but, like, I think Wicked came out the year before I went to my first year at ESA. Uh-huh. And that... I played that cast recording until I couldn't play it anymore, that there are scratches all over it. That mm-hmm. show, I was like, oh my goodness, the storytelling. I wasn't even watching the stage. I was just yeah. listening to the cast recording and my heart was beating and I was crying. And I was like, okay, this is this is it. Cool, cool. <laughs> How long after uh, listening to that cast recording was it before you got to actually see the show? Um, maybe like two years later when Wicked rolled around into Toronto and uh, mm-hmm. Shoshana Bean was playing Alphaba. And I think I saw that same performance. Oh my, because she wasn't supposed to be performing. It was supposed to be someone else. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess they were sick that day. And I remember sitting next to my mom and I had my friend on the other side of me. And the lights went down and the orchestra went bum 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 ba, da, da. and I was like bawling. I was <laughs> sobbing, like convulsing in the chair, crying, and my mom was just looking at me, being like, Oh God. I'm so sorry, like looking at people around me, just being like, I'm so sorry. I was a wreck. I couldn't keep it together. The show hadn't even started. I just felt the energy of the instruments and the drums, and I lost my mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you are not the only person who has had that reaction to that show. Yeah, no, I I, I don't doubt it, but like I felt it was was just me that day. It was only me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah for me i my gateway to theater entirely was cast recordings mm. when i was a kid my parents had the cast the original cast recording of godspell oh, uh, my show. fair lady and mm. oklahoma yes and it was godspell was my gateway yeah and i think it was because um you know listening the first time and then suddenly realizing oh wait a second all of these songs string together to tell the story yeah yeah. 
I love that show. That's yeah. such a good show. Yeah. I also love it more because it, uh, in, in some ways, um, if you when learning about like the history of theater in Toronto, that show was sort of like an explosion of theater for Toronto. Yeah. It was like people started to understand what it was about when Godspell came around. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That you could do something that was homegrown, that was produced here, not something that just toured in. Yeah. So, and yeah. also like the style of music was completely mm-hmm. different than when people were used to experiencing in musical theater, you know? That's right. That's yeah. right. And it pretty much gave us the entire cast of, of SCTV. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so as far as, as far as musicals go, when you left school, did you continue on and do others, uh, any post-secondary stuff or? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. I was at, uh, Laura Osington theater for a while. Hmm. I did, Little Shop of Horrors. I did Avenue Q. I did Hairspray. I did some standalone, like um, type uh, review type shows that were mm. uh, based on artists. I did like a Beatles show. Mm. Um, so I was like pretty heavy into the musical theater, very very much so. And then mm. um, and I kind of fell off a bit. And then I did disenchanted mm-hmm. and that was in chicago for a month so that was like my first touring experience and then after after that i i did a little bit more acting hmm. and then i did obia opera in like 2019 mm-hmm. and that brought my love for musical theater back Hmm. it was a three and a half hour through sung opera Hmm. (laughs) acapella (laughs) oh yeah oh so that brought my love for singing and Hmm. uh theatrical singing and storytelling back so and about a year and five months ago yeah what were you, were you working on something at the time that everything shut down? Um, I had actually just closed. Well, on the on the fourteenth was my last show of the Negroes are congregating, and that of course. that Monday the city locked down. So that was my last show. Right. That was my last uh, theater show. But then I did have the opportunity to do. Um, 21 Black Futures just right. passed in January. So, yeah. At least you got to finish, you know, that that run of that show. We but didn't like, think we were going to finish. We didn't think. Because we kept hearing about more and more cases, like, every day from, like, the, the Wednesday that week. We kept hearing, mm. oh, this many cases. Oh, yeah. this place is shut down. This place is shut down. And we're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to have people in the house for our last show. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I was very nonchalant about the whole thing. Until you couldn't be nonchalant anymore. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I think the moment when I was like, oh, shit, this is serious. <laughs> Was when like Broadway shut down. Yeah, that was a big one. I was like, oh, 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 shit! This is a this is a real thing. Yeah. And then, of course, very shortly after that, um, 
everything closed. Every everything closed yeah. down, and you're like, okay. But you know, I like to think of this period as maybe a nice hibernation mm. where we get an opportunity to figure out what the future is going to look like. Yeah. I think first off, like for, for people who are, who were in the theater and whose life has been the, like the, the nonstop hustle, mm-hmm. this has been like a, a, for one thing, an opportunity and a, and a forced like slow down. Mm-hmm. This is what it feels like to breathe now and then. How does that feel? But then on the other side, the removal of the of the production wheel, of the constant production. It can be scary. It has, it but it's scary. also – we could never have had the conversations that have been had if Everything the theaters was still were happening. busy. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They would have – I mean, we would still be having like the semi-annual uh, diversity in theater oh panel where the same people show up I and we say the same thing. I hate it. I hate right? it. <laughs> I hate because it, so it was much. always the same thing, the same things being said, the same yep. things. And everybody being, yes, yes, things should change. And then if we weren't so busy, we would change things. But oh, darn it. And now – that's why I'm sitting here. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see the proof. There's been a lot of talk. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk. I want to see what happens when the world opens up. What are you actually doing to to stay true to a lot of the things that you said during this time? Well, that is the the trick. And that is the thing that I think I think, you know, a lot of theaters made a lot of statements a year ago. And I hope they know that we remember that they made those statements and they made commitments to, to changes they were going to make. Mm-hmm. And if they don't make them, if they just come out, if they open up like we're doing another production of Greece, I'm going to have something to say about it. And I think everybody needs to have something to say about it. a lot of people have something to say about it, but that's another thing. Like in the moment mm. when, when, Emotions are high. It's very easy to say a lot of things. Sure. But like even people who are saying, no, this is, this needs to change. I stand by this. This needs to change. Are you going to be auditioning for that, Greece? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the Pro- thing, right? Probably. <laughs> probably, yes. <laughs> you know. Because people are like, I want to work again. Yeah. But also <laughs> like the fact that a theater, like if a theater goes in and they're like, we're doing, we're doing Greece again, like, Unless I see, I don't know, something that's like interesting about that production of Greece. Yeah, like, are you doing like, like this time Rydell High this? is a is a historically black uh, 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 high school? Maybe Yo, that's interesting. Oh, that would be so dope. Wouldn't it? <gasps> that, would, yeah. that would be so interesting. But I don't think. You know, no, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know. Because, you know, because it's interesting and, yeah. and Greece is a safe choice. And also Greece is one of those shows that everybody knows. So, you know, when yeah. you, when you excuse my language, when you fuck with something that everyone is, is tied and attached to, that's even more cause for uproar. Sure. But like, I'm bored. <laughs> like, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need to see that other production of Greece. Like do something interesting with it yeah. or don't do it. At all, you know? yeah. And I, I, I really hope that, you know, we are going to see 
the change that was promised. Yeah. And if we don't, I think we have to make noise. I hope we make the most noise because it's, it's time. It's time after all of, all of the things that have happened this last year and a half, you have to be real ignorant not to look around and see that something is not working and hasn't been working. So um, I hope that a time, the time that we've been given to reevaluate and self-reflect gives us not back to normalcy, but something, something better, something way better. It would be such a waste to just go back to the way things were. It would make no sense, but you know, us humans were very guilty of allowing history to repeat itself sure. without making any any changes. So, well, you know, I mean, on the other hand, a lot of times, uh, 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 theater people are not so awesome at rocking the boat. Yeah, um, because we're worried about stability. Oh, yes. <laughs> what if if I rock the boat? Maybe they won't hire me. So I guess yeah, I should just shut maybe up. Maybe I'm going to be known as the person who rocks the boat, and no one wants to be that person. But yeah. but yes, be that person. Yeah. That's and that's the that's the problem is that I th- I think that we learn early on not to if we went to theater school we probably learned in theater school don't rock the boat mm-hmm. um, or and, you're not going to work that's right that's right and you know that's how theaters get away with stuff because they people just don't rock the boat they keep their eyes down if something uh, untoward is happening and they don't yeah. they don't call it out and they just let it happen yep that's that's how sexual abuse is rampant in the mm-hmm. theater community because people are taught to stay quiet. Yeah. People are taught to not be a bother. Yeah. Yeah. Yet another thing that has to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see it changing slowly, but yeah. I've often, I mean, this is going to sound like a terrible thing to say, but I mean, <laughs> part of, I think the reason why change is slow in the theater is because People remain in the positions of power for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a cushy, it's a cushy gig. So sure you, is. So you stick it out until, I guess, until you really can't. Until you can't, and then you have to step down. And then, because we also don't have a, have programs in many theaters where we are looking for the next leaders. Mm-hmm. Then we're like, oh, I guess we should find some other old white guy from I don't know what England. Oh, yeah, Lord. let's bring that guy from England, and he'll fill Lord the position. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Wayne's takeover of Soul Pepper was mm. like, yes, 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 absolutely. Like that's what we need. She was a performer. She was the director. Then now, like, she's got the opportunity to give back where she was given so much like mm-hmm. yeah no it's it's that's the kind of environment that we want to be cultivating sure absolutely and we also need to change our makeup the makeup of the board of directors though yeah you know the boards have to be as as as, as diverse, diverse as the as, audiences and absolutely it's the, yeah. the only way we'll ever see change is if we yeah. get as much diversity in the boardroom as we do uh in the audience and on the stage yeah but like, how do we make that happen, though? That's a great question. I don't know. I think the I think that that 
board, the boards, I don't know how the power structure works. I think the boards have to make the effort. Yeah. You know, yeah. if somebody leaves the board, who do you find? Do I, do I, do I, I find my friend Tom to come or do we go looking for somebody who brings something new and not yeah. the thing that we always had? Exactly. Yeah. Change, change is hard. Change is hard for. Change for is hard, but I, crave I think, change. I I think it. that's the point though. Yeah. Like if change was easy, we would do it. But if Absolutely. change, if, if change was easy, it wouldn't be as important. Yeah. And also white folks hate to be uncomfortable. And that's why they hate change. Yeah. I so. mean, like you, you could only imagine how uncomfortable this world can be for me. As of a course. Black, as a black queer woman, like, yeah. come on. You know, I, 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 uh, my, 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 my brother is black. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I grew up seeing the world through his eyes. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing the moment when he went from what a cute black child to that's yep. a danger. You know, that, that change is a massive change. And, and it makes no freaking sense. Zero sense. Mm -hmm. Zero sense. But I see how the I see I was able to see the differences between the way he moves through the world and the way that I move through the world. Yeah, it's tragic and it's terrible and it has always and pissed me off. It's hard to see somebody you love going through something that really uh, individually is out of your control because yeah. it's been embedded in our society. Like that's just how our society is. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it, you know you. It is hard to see it, but it also, you know, makes it so that like the rage comes up. So you have to feel like you do something, right? Yeah. So in that way, it's 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 good. I think that that um we've you know, I know I have known people who in their entire lives, the only black person they knew was my brother. Yeah. And that's I mean, a problem. That, that's, in the world. It's it's easier in Canada than you would think. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's and I was actually thinking about 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 this in a different perspective just just this past week. Is um I have spent most of my life not knowing a single indigenous person. Hmm. Um you you think, you think. Right. Yeah. A lot of the time you think, but indigenous people are all around us. Oh, sure they are. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I've never had a conversation about it with, mm -hmm. with someone. Uh, when I was a kid, I, you know, I, I do not recall an indigenous person in any of the schools I went to. Yeah. And that. And we're learning that's because they yeah. were where. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing is like, like people are like, oh, it happened so long ago. I'm like, when I was in public school, well, it was happening. Yeah. It's, it's not like no. the fact that the, the last residential school closed in 1996. Yeah. I was, I was five. Yeah. I was in, I was in college. <laughs> I was and a it babe. Was, it was still happening. So yeah. Um, the, but I, yeah. I, I think for me that I like, we do not find, I mean, especially for, 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 I mean, I'm going to say this again, for white people, we yeah. do not connect with people, with things that we do not have experience with. Yeah. And because we have been kept away from indigenous people through this, the way that our, the, the Canada has been built, we yes. do not empathize. No, but like, but I feel like it's not, it's, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how there's a lack of empathy 
How can no. you not see that like a whole people, a whole culture is being eradicated and you don't have a feeling about that? You have I, to have a feeling about that. Exactly. But yeah. because we didn't like, it's like, I'm going to make a bold statement. Okay. Bold statement is it's like, it's like uh, 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 the average German before World War II. Okay. And, you know, the Jews were emigrating. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. They were emigrating. Yeah. Rather than seeing the truth of what was happening in front of them. Mm-hmm. Rather than, than, than seeing the, um, you know, the, the, the terrible things that were happening. It doesn't affect me. I have blinders on. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, that's my grandfather and his family. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we have a great capacity for ignoring the things that we want to ignore. That we that's what it is that we want to ignore. And mm-hmm. that doesn't that things that don't feel good, the things that uh, make us question who we are, where we came from. That's right. But um one thing in that relation that I know is like in Germany now, mm-hmm. like it's reportedly, I've never been, but one of the most accepting places because they want so much to distance themselves from any kind of hate and violence. Absolutely. But like, why can't that happen here? It can, but we have to contend with it. In many ways, I think, you know, Germany is the way it was because after the war, their 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 nose was held to it. True. Right? So it was True. they would have to, to face contend it. with it. Yes. You're very correct. And that's we have that to be forced to contend with it, or we just keep doing happen. the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. That is something um, that hasn't happened yet. Oh my God, no, it hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't. We're really only just getting started. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a will and the will only comes from politicians when we force them to have that will. Ah, politics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Just to to try to uh, uh, come back to theater for a second. (laughs) Um, You've mentioned things that you've been doing in in the theater. Have you been doing a lot of digital productions? Um, I've actually done a couple workshops. Hmm. uh, like I said, I did uh, 21 Black Futures, which the rehearsal process was completely digital. Mm. And there was only like maybe two two days on set. Wow. Um, uh, what else? Uh, a project called The First Stone, written mm. by Donna Michelle St. Bernard. Um, but that was, a, that was a workshop opportunity as well. Yeah. Um, and recently I just did a little fun thing for the Paprika Festival and that was like an, uh, audio reading as well. So. That's awesome. Yeah. For you, it's, what was the biggest transition? Like what was the hardest thing to learn about doing these things digitally? Um, being as open as I am in person. Hmm. I find screens at times to be 
disconnecting. Hmm. It's which is interesting because it has been connecting a lot of people throughout this time. But um, sometimes the screen kind of alienates me a little bit, mm-hmm. and so the it's been really hard to feel. It's taken more effort for me to be fully engaged in some in some situations. Yeah. Um, I find like when I watch the news on the screen, I desensitize myself. Hmm. I remove myself from it because I don't know why it's like not tangible in front of me. So it's been real work to remove that perspective from my Hmm. mind so that I could be present in these Hmm. amazing projects that I've had the opportunity to be a part of and allow myself to be moved and changed the same way I would have felt if we were in a rehearsal room together. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, the screens are so hard and Mm -hmm. I never, I don't think before this, I would have thought that screens were as hard as they are. No, you think like, Oh, this is more technology is better. It's better. (laughs) Yeah. But one of the things for me is the fact that I can see myself. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to look at myself. <laughs> well, it's just that we are, by nature, doesn't matter. We are vain creatures. And so mm-hmm. we are always going to look at what we're doing with our face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so hard to be like on a screen and not look at yourself. Yeah. And it's so taking you out of the scene. The moment. Yeah. It's like, oh, am I um, um, a mirror? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So bad. So yeah. bad. I also find that that screens, when you're participating, they actually take more effort than in person. More concentration. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's just hard to connect and you have to work so hard to connect over those screens. Yeah. And I, and I, I found myself really being so exhausted, more Mm -hmm. exhausted than working nine hours at my job. Sure. After being in front of the computer for six hours. You know, I don't think that is unusual for introverts Mm -hmm. (laughs) for an introvert. When you're on a video, on a video thing like that, the, the, the th- one of the things that exhausts you is the fact that suddenly all of these people, it looks like they're all staring straight at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they might not be. But it feels like it. <laughs> it sure does. It's just like a screen full of people who are just looking at you. Yeah. And that is exhausting. Yeah. It, it does. If, if It's tiring for yeah. sure. <laughs> and I remember like after I, I was on Zoom one time all day from like 10 o'clock till maybe six or seven (laughs) and I closed my computer and I, I wanted to just like pass out on the couch. (laughs) My head was throbbing, but I didn't notice it until the screen was gone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's intense. It's hard on the body. It's hard hard on the body. body. I typically need a nap if I'm in a, a day that has a lot of meetings in it. Mm-hmm. Once that day is over, I got to take a short nap. Yeah. Before you much. like get back to life. <laughs> yeah. There's no life until the nap. <laughs> um, as we are starting in Ontario to look at opening up. Mm-hmm. And I was very glad to see that, that, you know, we're allowed to rehearse outdoors now. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I'm so glad about that. Which was a great addition. I'm so glad that was there. Um, that it was even included because yes. like, I feel like the last time there was another soft opening, they weren't thinking about No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. And, and, and they've been thinking about, about film. They've just never been thinking about theater. Film has been thriving throughout yes. the pandemic. So. Yeah. 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 Is there something in particular that you were looking forward to theater wise or otherwise as we head towards reopening? Hmm. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to hugs. Oh. Though I am an introvert, I love me a good hug. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also really looking forward to rehearsing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I never realized how important that was to mm-hmm. my process in cultivating a character. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. I can't wait to be in a rehearsal room again. I can't. It's wait. so hard because these digital productions most of the time we're sitting down. Mm-hmm. The and energy you can't is really different. develop a character when you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, talking about mentioning uh, the Negroes are congregating. That conversation that we had, yeah, is, is with 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 the cast and yourself is still one of my favorite conversations that I've ever had on this show. It was a really good chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I was so so happy to, to to be able to to talk with you all. You guys had performances that were specifically for black audiences. Oh, uh, we actually just only had one night. One yeah. night was a blackout night, and woo. I know that you guys were anticipating the blackout night when we spoke. What, yeah. what was that like? Uh, it's really very hard to put into words. And as an actor, I mm. never realized, um, especially with the content that we were working with, like mm-hmm. talking about our stories, I never realized that not having the white gaze mm. would cause me to evolve so much more as my characters on stage. Oh. I I discovered joy where there wasn't joy before because I felt it from the audience. Mm. I discovered um, uh, fear and questioning in situations where I wasn't really thinking about that or even just straight up anger being like, oh, why? is this like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like every other show, yeah, like this is what it is. But to hear the disgruntled groans and <sighs> and and kiss teeth of my my family in the audience, mm, like, yeah, mm. no, it, it was, yeah, it was a, an amazing experience. And mm. any show that has an all-black cast that focuses on our trials, tribulations, triumphs, joys should Mm. have a blackout opportunity because that changes you as an actor for sure. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, again, you mentioned like removing the white gaze from the room that, that is that there must be a lot of freedom to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, uh, and a moment during before the blackout happened um someone was upset that they couldn't come a white woman was upset that she couldn't mm. come to that night and everyone was just like 
but there are literally 20 <laughs> other nights yeah. that yeah. you can <laughs> come and see this show. This is one night yeah. for us. And it's a problem. Can you sit back and see what the issue is <laughs> and why nights like these even need to exist? Yeah. I yeah. think, I mean, I think that, that, that it's, it's patently obvious why nights like that need to exist. And that's because the white gaze interrupts things. Mm-hmm. It does. And I never really understood that until I had that experience. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that must've been a pretty emotional experience. Just, just the whole thing. And then afterwards as well. Yeah. The, like there was food and dancing after and, <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it, it, yeah. <laughs> nice. I really sometimes thinking about, I, I'm speechless. Yeah, I I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, so just as we draw to a close, uh, one of the things that I've been asking everybody since the pandemic started mm. is a question about joy. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all had our ups and downs and some points in this whole thing have felt pretty pretty bleak. For sure. Um, but I think it's important that we remind each other about the joys that each of us is experiencing. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me about something that has been giving you joy? <sighs> what has been giving me joy? My sweet little pup, Bo, <laughs> has been bringing me so much joy. Joy that I didn't really know was missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and honestly, the opportunity to spend time with my partner and cultivate a relationship with them has Mm. been like one of the biggest joys Mm. and having time. I always felt like I was running around doing all of the things and the time that I've been given. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's been joyful because it's allowed me to spend more time with my family. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about uh, taking away the the world outside a relationship. Mm-hmm. All of the things that that kept you busy, all of the all of the activities, all of the things and reducing you to um, all we have is time and each other. Yeah. That can really teach you about having real wonderful intimacy in a relationship. Yeah. And it's yeah. a beautiful thing. It's it's been absolutely beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well, Uche, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Phil. Mm-hmm.